1: For another episode of The Winkly, it is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, here to shut it down, the final Winkly of 2019, the final Winkly of the decade. And I am here, of course, of course, joined here as I am every Tuesday by my good friend Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to The Winkly.
0: It's over, man. It's all over. Y2K is happening tonight. We're going to bring in the new year with, you know, those big satin, sheeny, silvery pants. Um, and the, the computers are all going to crash.
1: Dude, I'm ready for it. I've got I've got my my bug out bag. I've got my bunker. I've I've uh-huh. located my loco my nearest uh, nuclear fallout shelter. I'm with you, man. I'm the hand ready. Hand crank
0: radio, that way if the power does go out, we can still get our AM jams. Sure. I got it. I got a whole wall full of Twinkies because they never go bad. That's right. They will survive a nuclear holocaust or the Y2K bug. So,
1: <laughs> well, or they could, yeah, could. Why? Why? Why one? Porque no los dose, right? I mean, <laughs> that's right. If the grid goes down, buddy, you know, you think those nukes? What do you think they run on? You think they run on wind? Winter? No, dude, that's an electrical grid right there. I guess the wind could power the electricity, but you know what I'm saying,
0: right? I don't know. I think if you know, if, if the grid does go down, we got Twinkies and WWE will keep on moving forward because that machine is never going to die. Vince McMahon is going to live forever.
1: That's true. That's true. It's a very good point. Well, welcome back to the weekly, everybody. Uh, very excited to bring you here uh, this week of holiday shows. Uh, last week we had a holiday shows. Last week was the best of Winkly 2019. Some of my favorite interviews, some of our most notable interviews. I want to thank everybody for tuning into those uh, and taking them in. A very big year for us here on the Winkly, and 2020 will be no different. I promise you guys we have some big stuff here in the works for this show uh and with that let's get to this here uh let's shut let's burn this baby down let's shut the grid down here with the winkley today uh before we get to the news and our interview of the day i want to start off by saying uh congratulations to luke gallows who was married on december 22nd to a normal human woman non-wrestler i don't think
0: Oh, that's what you meant by normal human more. I was like, as opposed to the Toxic Avenger. Right? Yeah, she,
1: he did not marry the Toxic Avenger. The Y2K has not started. There are not Toxic Avengers roaming the streets looking for pro wrestlers to marry.
0: Oh, I know. That's awesome. Marriage is a happy thing. Happy for people. I know, you know, it's always cool to see a wrestler marry somebody outside the business. You get a lot of those kind of in-business breedings. And so this is this is neat, neat to see somebody in, um in- just find happiness in life.
1: In-business
0: breedings. Is that the right, is that the phrase? Is that, is, that, is that a bad thing to say? You know what I mean? I like know. You get caught up, you're in your industry, and that's all sure. the only people you meet, and yeah. so you all, what do you talk about? Work, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, who? it's got to be pretty hard to relay. Who else can I find that makes millions of dollars doing, <laughs> what is a st- ostensibly a professional stuntman show? How, how, how many pools of people are you going to find that? Can, right. they, they kick Sharon Stone off Bumble. Do you see that? Uh, I did
0: not see that. That's that's big news. Well, there you go. Uh,
1: well, anyway here, uh, so congratulations to Luke Gallows. Uh, happy New Year's Eve to everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. We have a New Year's Day special. I'll be here with Justin Labar. And uh, later here on uh, the show, after the news, you're going to hear my final interview of 2019. It's with a guy I really enjoy chatting with. It is the one and only Matt Seidel, a.k.a. Evan Bourne. He's going to be heading to Qatar here, uh, very soon to compete for Qatar Pro Wrestling. Uh, He's been over there before. Uh, We talk all about the pro wrestling scene over there Uh, and what 2020 holds. Because as he kind of points out in this interview, he doesn't really feel like he gave his fans enough in 2019. So he's going to really step up and try to be more in
0: the spotlight here in 2020. So dun-dun-dun, what does that mean, Michael? Huh. Huh. That's interesting. You know, it, Matt Seidel is one of those guys that I feel like he's always doing a lot, and he still has that name recognition. But if you were to ask me at any given day, where is he right now? I would be like, I have no idea, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, and there's a really nice, like, it's a very calming final interview for 2019. It kind of it wraps with us talking about uh, how to take care of cactuses, not to give the whole thing away. I know, spoiler alert, but uh, it's it's a very, because Matt Seidel, you know, he's all about inner peace, zen. Although the third eye, all that great stuff. So
0: this okay. is actually a secret. You know how they used to do like secret pilots on TV shows back in the day where mm-hmm. an episode would be about something entirely seemingly unrelated. Yeah. And that would be their way to start a brand new show spin off from Family Matters or whatever. Yeah. So this is kind of your secret way, your backdoor pilot for a winkly plant yeah. caretaking show, isn't it? This is my Fraser. Mm, okay,
1: There you go. <laughs> this is my Fraser. You nailed it. Uh, all right. <laughs> Enough of that. Uh, it's time for news you can use. News or leave a bruise. Uh, we will start on the night of Christmas. Uh, now, I try tried because, again, we've been off the air here for like 10 days or something. So I tried to do all the news here since last Friday. So we're gonna get all of that. But there are some other items here from the past week that I wanted to include because I thought they were of note. We should talk about them here on the show. So, of course, first of all here, Showbuzz Daily reporting that on Christmas night, WWE NXT drew 831,000 viewers. Now, it should be noted that Dynamite did not air on Wednesday night, Christmas night, due to TNT's all-day A Christmas story marathon, a tradition. Uh, Now, it should also be noted that this is up from last week's episode of NXT, which drew 795,000 viewers. So they did better on Christmas night than they did... The week before, this was a pre-taped episode. Uh, it was filmed uh, at Full Sail University uh, and from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, it was number 33 in the night for viewership. Uh, last week's episode was 37, so they saw an increase there. Uh, it ranked 29 on the top 150, uh, doing a .22 in the 18-49 to 49 demo. Uh, last week, they ranked 27 on the cable uh, top 150. It looks like more people may have been tuning in that night because they did a .27, so they were actually up a little bit in that demo last week. Uh, but regardless, very good news here for NXT. Overall viewership up on Christmas night. I'm very surprised and hardened by this. It sounds like they're really onto
0: something, Michael. It's a it's a Christmas miracle, dude. This is this is fantastic here. You never. I mean, I'm not going to say never, ever, ever, but rarely does a show do better when it is on a holiday, and especially a holiday like Thanksgiving or Christmas, which are kind of those premiere. Spend time with your family do things that aren't watch TV or aren't watching a Christmas story kind of holidays. So I think it's really good news for them. You mentioned it was a pre-tape, which is, again, another place where you see shows go down in ratings because people can find the results out online, and yet NXT built. Now, the thing here with AEW Dynamite not being on that night, I think, does play some small role in this, right? Because wrestling fans hungry for new content were more likely to tune in. But still, growth is growth. And the thing I want to point out here is NXT on Christmas Day was building on a fantastic show the prior week. And I I always say... You got to, you got to, you got to give the fans a great show the week after we saw this with SmackDown a couple of months ago when they had the invasion angle the next week ratings went up. So I think that big Rhea Ripley moment and overall great show the previous week added to this, but this is, this is awesome. You just don't expect this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder if you're AEW, if you're sitting there thinking like, man, what, what would have happened? Would we have done really well? Would we have split the ratings here? I don't, I don't, I don't think they would have split it. Uh, but interesting nonetheless, uh, well, over in the world of AEW, we have a couple notes uh, to touch upon. Uh, Chris Jericho has announced that Hiroshi Tanahashi is going to receive an AEW Championship shot if he beats him at Wrestle Kingdom 14, which is of course this weekend. Uh, by the way, uh, I just got the promo codes from Fight for that Mike, so we're covered. We're going to be covering, all, we're going to be covering all those shows, and we're going to be giving away a promo code for Wrestle Kingdom 14 both nights, and I think New Year's Dash as well over on our Twitter. Uh, account and that should uh, that may have started right now. As soon as I finish recording here, I'm going to send it to Josh to start up the contact uh, to, to start up the contest. Uh, but yeah, j- you're going to be
0: able to do breakfast with us this Sunday because we are going to be covering in a post game show Wrestle Kingdom 14. And by the way, guys, just quick plug here: Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom 14. Wrestle Kingdom is one of my favorite events of the year. I, I stay in touch with New Japan Pro Wrestling throughout the year. Do not follow it religiously like AEW NXT. But if if you've not watched a Wrestle Kingdom, go out of your way. To watch Now, you don't have to watch it overnight when it airs at what, 2 a.m. Eastern Time Live, but check it out that day, New Japan World. We were mentioning Fight TV, which is yeah. a great place to watch it on pay-per-view. If you've got New Japan World, you get it there too. Just check this out. It is a great, great event, especially for guys who have not watched New Japan or guys and girls who have not watched New Japan in the past.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, 100%. I'm very excited about this card. This match is uh, now got even more stakes as Jericho putting that AEW championship shot on the line against Tanahashi. Uh, and while we're talking about this because I, I know I kind of have an idea of where this conversation is gonna go, Michael, uh, I wanted to point out that this past week New Japan also announced that they will not have their shows distributed in the US. in 2020 via access TV and are pushing people over to New Japan world where they can catch all the new Japan content with English commentary, which was something <laughs> they pushed very hard, I noticed on social media when making this announcement. So, uh, it, you know, Access TV, of course, owned by Anthem Entertainment now, which owns Impact Wrestling. Uh, you know, that would show seemingly a little distance between those two after some speculation. Seemed to, I would say. Uh, also, New Japan Ring of Honor here. Um, doesn't look like they've been doing a lot of work here, closing out the year, a lot of speculation. And, you know, we've had the Young Bucks and Cody come out and say, and, and Kenny Omega say, it doesn't look like there's going to be any relationship there with New Japan or AEW. Really tampering it down here. But at the 11th hour, the very end of the year, right when everybody said, if, if for months, I remember, leading up to all of the naysaying from the Bucks, at the top of the year, New Japan's going to have a decision to make. Who are they going to continue to partner with their, new, their uh, United States expansion? Uh, granted, New Japan doing their own U.S. expansion brand in 2020. But um, leaving the door open here, it looks like to working with AEW at the very least. I mean, I would have to think. Tanahashi going to beat Jericho here to set up some kind of super interesting cross-promotional bout between the two. I don't know why New Japan would allow this to be announced if their guy isn't going to get that title shot. I guess it's just my logic.
0: Yeah, they both brands have seemed kind of like they've wanted to distance themselves from one another and say we can do this on our own. I have said this numerous times on this very podcast. New Japan pro wrestling needs a strong American partner while they've run some, some solid shows here in the States. They've not been big draws and they need a solid partner. Ring of honor was that for a time, but ring of honor was not able to deliver the goods. We see access TV taking impact and kind of running with it. And and by the way, like losing access TV for new Japan pro wrestling, I think people make a big deal about it. But if you are a pro wrestling fan who already subscribes to the WWE network, you can get access to this show. We mentioned fight is a great place, but new, new, new Japan pro wrestling world Is easy. Just turn on your little translate button and you can get all the same stuff. So I don't think if you're a fan, you're not losing access to the show. And I always like the commentary team on New Japan Pro Wrestling World, but the American commentary team. So no big loss there. But it does show that, again, Impact distancing themselves as well. So I'm glad that New Japan here is willing to do this cross promotion. We saw it as Chris Jericho coming in, an American wrestler wrestling in Japan. But them actually recognizing the value of the AEW championship and potentially putting Tanahashi up for a match for that, maybe outside of a new Japan pro wrestling show is super interesting. Now I don't think we're going to the place where we need all of these cross promotional shows where it's an, you know, AEW versus new Japan pro wrestling. Maybe that happens in the future, but just the idea that this championship is a big enough championship, AEW championship that is to be defended against a new Japan pro wrestling wrestler. I think it's incredible and it does a lot for the prestige of that title as opposed to WWE who likes to keep all of their championships inside their own house.
1: And and I think that with Tanahashi, you have uh, you have the chance to do something really special on a, on a lot of levels because you know when we talk about outside championships coming in uh, and being defended in AEW, while it was not technically AEW at the time, I still think in the lineage of what is AEW matches Cody versus Nick Aldis in NWA Championship at all in arguably one of the best bouts that they've ever presented. That was, an, I yes. was I was in the building for that match. It was off the charts, and it was because there was a real story. There was real history to it there with the Rhodes family and the NWA and, and what they were cooking there at the time and, and everybody in each other's corners. I almost feel like with Tanahashi, if uh, if he were to take the AEW championship, um, would set up an interesting bout with Jericho maybe, uh, maybe this is a way to interestingly get the title off Jericho, but Tanahashi Omega uh, in an AEW ring with him defending the title against somebody who is so synonymous with New Japan for so long um, is an interesting it's an interesting there's an interesting series of bouts I think you can have with Tanahashi in the Mitch mix. mix.
0: Absolutely. And, and you could do these series of bouts without doing a discredit to either promotion, right? So often we get caught up in it is AEW versus NXT or it's this or that or black and white, right? And there's a space for all of these brands to get together and bring their top talent. You mentioned that great Cody Rhodes, Nick Aldis feud and championship match. To bring these guys together, Uh, maybe not neutral ground, but if they do a match in New Japan and they do a match in AEW, you kind of have that more neutral or home ground feeling. And I think it does wonders for the business. We're seeing it on Wednesday nights right now. I think NXT is doing better because it's up against AEW, right? So I like this a lot. Tanahashi does have that. Of course, AEW is full of guys who made their names in New Japan, guys like Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, who, yes, Impact Wrestling, they were there for a minute, but they got this, this recognition from being main stage players at Wrestle Kingdom events and New Japan events. So uh, I think it's just a boon for the business, and I think a legend like Chris Jericho going up against Tanahashi already has so much intrigue that I hope you're right, Nick. I hope we get to see not just this one match and Jericho walks away the winner and AEW woo-woo, right? I hope we get to see I you know a best of three or a best of five series back and forth across different events throughout the year that'd be awesome.
1: Man, and you know the thing is like with AEW and like all the all the uh, faction stuff they're doing and, and you know kind of invasiony style stuff. Uh, man, I hadn't really thought about it, but like down the road, like let's just see where everything goes and how everybody plays together. And maybe the maybe the maybe the script has already been written. Who knows? But a a New Japan like invasion of AEW would be so badass. You know, yeah. like one week is Tanahashi there and then Okada shows up, Ishii, the, the Scott Norton of New Japan. You know, like, I, I, oh man, in my head I see it and it, it looks and feels cool, but who knows? Maybe reading too much into a single bout here, but definitely has my attention, you know?
0: It feels a lot more organic than whenever promotions. I mean, I really dug the NXT invading WWE stuff that they did before Survivor Series, but a separate company invading a different company has this whole other level of like, Oh my God, these guys are actually in competition. Uh, NXT is not actually competing with SmackDown and Raw. They all want to win because they're all under the WWE umbrella, but new Japan and AEW, even if they have this loose partnership, they both want to be the premier pro wrestling organization. So it adds this level of reality that I think all pro wrestling fans want from their storytelling. Hmm.
1: Uh well uh, let's talk about the reality and the storytelling at AEW a couple more AEW notes here now uh, as we wrap up the year uh, something that a lot of fans seem to be buzzing about or many fans of AEW uh, is the consistency right like title opportunities what do these wins and loss mean how do how do they how do they figure things out why are talent making their own matches well on that note at WrestleVotes is reporting that AEW is looking into a commissioner figure for their programming the job could potentially could potentially serve as a way to control the talent. And one of the rumored names for the role is Taz, who just finished up with CBS Sports Radio. Now, he's been uh, with AEW for a while now. He's called some AEW dark matches. Uh, He uh, made his debut back on October 16th. uh, And he's set to appear tomorrow night uh, as a special appearance on AEW Dynamite's homecoming taping from Jacksonville. On that note, we have another conflicting report from The Observer. Now, we have two fairly reliable sources here at odds because The Observer reporting that AEW has no plans to introduce an authority figure, and that Taz is going to be calling Dynamite with Excalibur and Jim Ross tomorrow night because Tony Schiavone is going to be announcing the Sugar Bowl college football game on the radio that day, as he was contractually obligated to do. So, you know, maybe something, maybe nothing. Taz will definitely be in the building tomorrow night. I'm very, very interested, excited to see how he calls the action with Excalibur and Jim Ross. Um, but, I, you know, people are like, a lot of people really don't like the authority figure thing. And I don't know if it's just because everybody's dislike some characters or, or because they think it's old or because they think it is, they've heard it a million times for people and they think it's the right thing to say like, Oh, authority figures are played out. I don't hate the authority figure role. If it's done right. Um, I think AEW could, I mean, for the way they're slapdashing a lot of their stuff together, it would seem like, because I know there is so much fluid, creative input, I think a figure like a Taz or a creative figure or authority figure could maybe help them patchwork together some of the things they're doing in a way that would make more sense to fans. So I wouldn't be against it, I guess I'm saying if they did choose to go down that route.
0: Yeah, I think we've all been conditioned by WWE to kind of hate the classic authority figure who's going to come out every week and put down your main guy and put him in two-on-one handicap matches. And there's this kind of rhythm and routine to it that we are accustomed to. And I don't think AEW would do that with an authority figure. And, and, and you know, you mentioned how slap – not only say slapdash, but this creatively fluid process that AEW has been booking their shows with yes. I think has led to fans – and I'm going to include myself in this – not being distanced from the product, but not always connecting with it in the way that I think Tony and Cody and and the Bucks want us to, right? I think there's sometimes I'm like, I'm watching the product and I love the wrestling. And then I'm like, okay, but I'm not feeling that I gotta see what happens as a result of this. And I think an authority figure could tie that together. NXT has William Regal as an authority figure. And I think he does a fantastic job for that show because he's not out there in your face every week. Great example. We need to clear something.
1: Great example. Do what? I said just great example. You're so right. Well, I hadn't even thought about it. Regal, perfect. Great example.
0: Because he comes out there, when things go wrong, he clears it up. And you have a go-to person, as opposed to on uh, AEW every week, if something goes wrong or crazy, it's Chris Jericho, who's just this argument. There's no clear hierarchy. And I, I want to see more of that coming from this. And Taz would be great. Taz is a legend in the business. I don't know that Taz would be my go-to person for this, because I like him in the announce booth so good he is so good at that role that i think you could find somebody else that would be more interesting
1: yeah food for thought well we'll see what happens here with taz tomorrow night on aw dynamite uh been uh the last year aw note uh we have is uh from a pro wrestling sheet reporting that uh aw executive vice president cody rhodes recently filed to trademark the name of his late father uh wwe hall of famer du- dusty rhodes but the filing has been rejected uh cody and his legal team are confident. Uh, This will not be a problem in the end. They're going to get this trademark. It was revealed back in November that the trademark filing uh, looked to be done, but the uh, USPTO, uh, the United States Patent and Trademark Office, issued a refusal last week because the name is too similar to Dustin Rhodes, a (laughs) trademark already owned by Dusty's oldest son and Cody's brother and current AEW star. So it looks like Cody's team has two options to file appeal or get approval from the owner of the registration that is causing the trademark to be rejected. What an interesting conundrum for the Rhodes family there. Hey brother, do you mind just like letting this one go so I can own dad's name? (laughs) Or we Oh, that's weird. Or we can share it. I don't really it's just it's so wow. What a hard that's a hard one to sit around the the
0: holiday tables, I would think. Is, is is cody Rhodes intent here you think to protect the dusty roads name or why is he going after this at this time
1: i think it might have something to do with protecting the dusty roads name i mean you know like wwe dusty roads classic you know they they can kind of do whatever they want with his father's legacy so i would understand the want to have that in-house and owned by the family
0: yeah yeah that would make sense um you know, I, I hope they don't take it entirely away from WWE or that's not the intent here because I don't think WWE has done wrong with that name in recent years. Uh, the Dusty Rhodes Classic is an NXT staple, and so I want to kind of see that continue to go. But, um, I, you know, I I guess, yeah, that's the thing here is do you get approval? Do you try to, you know, file an appeal? I guess that would be what I would do next would be the appeal option. Uh, it makes sense, though. Cody's got to have his father's name. I, You know, it is what it is.
1: Um, and uh, let's pivot over here to another legal story. This one from WWE. Uh, Bloomberg Law reports that an Oklahoma Firefighters Pension Fund filed a lawsuit on December 26th in Delaware Chancery Court against the WWE. The group claims there is a credible basis to believe Vince McMahon and other WWE senior officers are not keeping up with their WWE duties as they focus resources towards the XFL which is being run under McMahon's Alpha Entertainment. The lawsuit also claimed that there hasn't been enough oversight on Vince by company board members as he, quote, engages in transactions that are in conflict with WWE's interest, and they want to look at WWE's internal records. Vince has previously said he plans on continuing his role as WWE chairman and CEO for the foreseeable future. Um now, I, have, I actually was super intrigued by this, and I went on down kind of a bit of a rabbit hole reading about this case. I don't know how much of a rabbit hole you've fallen down uh, looking into this one, Michael.
0: Well, I've not followed this case specifically, but I do think the interesting thing here about a shareholder who could just be a common person like you or myself sure. filing a lawsuit on behalf of shareholders is – Fascinating. And I'm honestly surprised it's not happened sooner with WWE in the way that they've done fake press releases over the years about Donald Trump and yada, yada, yada. I'm surprised they've not gotten in more trouble with the way they blur reality and uh, fake storylines.
1: And, you, and you, you know, it's interesting you point that out because uh, the, the value of stock that this firefighters pension owns is only like six grand and change. And I say only, but that's still I mean, you know, it's it's not millions of dollars that they have tied up in the WWE. And uh, some of what they point to uh, is this like reported conversation that McMahon had with uh, Dick Ebersole and his son shortly before they announced the launch of the XFL. And then, like, did Ebersole offer you guys $50 million to buy this? And they all say no, but I guess there's, like, some piece of paperwork they put out saying that didn't happen, but it's not certified. So huh. it's just, like, so they, they're skeptical that everybody's being on It's really just, like, they feel like Vince is being – he's being – He's, he's suspect because it does seem like he's definitely focusing more of his attention on this product over here, and he's not letting all of the details about the finances being visible to WWE investors. So they just they want to know what's really going on here. Vince, are you actually focused on WWE's day to day or are you diverting your time and maybe other investments over to this new venture of yours? And, and that's the, the long and the short of it.
0: Well, and the, and the things here, too, you got to look at Our WWE ratings have been going down for a while. But in the last year, they've reached brand new lows. And the XFL version, two was announced, what, January 2018, I think it was? Sure, and it's
1: supposed and to so debut in February next month. February 2018,
0: yeah. 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 And so you look at that two-year period almost since then, and WWE has been creatively stale. Ratings have gone down. Early on, Vince McMahon... Promise. He said, I will not divert any resources from WWE towards this new XFL. It's going to be its own thing, right? That's the whole alpha ventures and what they're doing with that. And yet there have been evidence of WWE social media teams working on XFL products and all this kind of stuff. And at some point, you've got to accuse Vince McMahon almost of lying to investors, things that have gotten yeah. other shareholders in trouble before because the SEC takes all of this stuff very seriously.
1: Well, and I love the fact that part of this as well is they're like, the company board members, you guys aren't doing enough to reign Vincent, And I bet the board members are like, do you know this man? (laughs) Do do you know Vincent Kennedy McMahon? And if we take him out of the the CEO position, I bet the the stock would take a hit. So, I mean, look, Vince is playing fast and I hate, I don't want to say maybe loose, but that's the thing is they want to know, are you playing fast and loose? That's the question here. Uh, With your time and your your investments. So we'll follow this one. Very interesting story. And on the heels of that, as we talk about WWE's creative product and Vince's uh, investment in the product, uh, PW Insider initially reported yesterday afternoon that Vince, Triple H, and Kevin Dunn were not backstage at Raw, but they later issued a correction reporting that Vince did arrive backstage at the XL Center right before the show hit the air on the USA Network. Now... Triple H and Kevin Dunn were not backstage at the XL Center all day. No word yet on why they weren't there. Uh, But Raw Executive Director Paul Heyman and WWE Vice President and Global Television Production Michael Mansory, they ran the show. John Laurinaitis was running the pre-show rehearsals in the arena. And WWE Hall of Famer producer Michael PSA has appeared to be the lead producer of last night's matches. So Vince was there. I would bet dollars to donuts that that man was on some kind of conference call during the day or earlier in the day, which is in line with a lot of other reports about Vince's involvement recently with Raw. Um, but yeah, man. Again, it's like if if you're on the twenty sixth filing this, like Vince isn't actively engaged and you're just picking cause you could you could submit this stuff in quarter or rubber, be like Here's all these uh, the wrestling sites, but they're yep. all reporting Vince hasn't been backstage for these shows. We're showing up yep. late. What's going on here? You know,
0: and is that a more frequent occurrence the closer we get to the launch of the XFL? And, and I, it, I know mm-hmm. fans right now are like, "What's the big deal? Triple H should be in charge anyway because he's better." Blah 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 blah. And from a creative standpoint, I get why you make that argument, but these are not. By and large, I mean, some of these guys, I'm sure they are fans of WWE and their product, right? But by and large, shareholders are people who've invested money in the company to see returns on their money. And they're not watching Raw every week to see how engaging the product is. They're looking at a bunch of numbers and a bunch of metrics and a bunch of spreadsheets, right? And so when they talk about removing somebody, the stature of Vince McMahon, who is so – he's so equated with not only WWE but the entire pro wrestling industry, and replacing him with somebody like Triple H – it's not that simple, and and so I think fans who think that uh, this is not a big deal, it's a very big deal because, if, to your point from earlier, Nick, if Vince McMahon were to step down, that WWE stock price is going to drop immediately. Even if TV ratings went up the very next day, the stock price is going to go down by yeah, quite a bit, maybe- so – Lots of evidence here.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in Triple H, I, I, I would think Kevin Dunn is working with Vince on the XFL. That's just speculation. That's just me guessing. But uh, Triple H, I would think it's like he's in fight mode right now. I Every moment he's got right now, I'm thinking he's got to be investing in, in NXT. You know, I read uh, his uh, an interview with him recently where he talked about how uh, Shawn Michaels is, has taken over the NXT UK brand because it's become too much for him to balance. So he's he's focused on NXT, and Shawn Michaels is now in charge of NXT UK. I mean, it's it's too much for him for Triple H. I think to be at Raw SmackDown and also producing his own live show that is now against their biggest competition. That's a huge amount of pressure.
0: Absolutely, and it's the point that I you know it didn't occur to me until recently. But we used to talk about and I used to defend WWE like like it's hard to put out a three hour show where we can make that good. And you had SmackDown on Tuesdays and you got to make that good and you got all these other things to put out there. And then I've been looking at it lately and thinking why has SmackDown been so lackluster when all they have is a 2-hour show it's on Fridays completely almost 5 days away from raw right and it's got the power of fox behind it and yet smackdown still not been great as of late on the other hand nxt has been fantastic week in and week out and it's the exact same you know 2-hour show and there's less logistics there because they're not on the road every week but why is wwe struggling and i think it's because triple h like you said, is solely focused on making NXT a success, while both of the main roster brands are still kind of spread thin because their resources are shared in a lot of ways. So, you know, I, I think it's 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 hard. It's really tough to put out a pro wrestling show, and Triple H, yeah, he's guns blazing getting NXT out there to win Wednesday nights and not much else.
1: Well, let's talk about WWE's creative product. Let's get to it here. Raw was last night. Uh, and uh, we had some other things happen, of course, on SmackDown in, in the past week in, uh, in the world of wrestling. But I wanted to start by talking about from last night on Raw, Randy Orton. Uh, he faked an injury at Sunday's WWE live event, a knee injury. Uh, it looked very real. We got tons of reports about it. We ran updates about it. But then he goes on Raw. Uh, he gives this impassioned faux retirement speech. I say faux because in the end, uh, AJ Styles would uh, come out, poke the bear, literally, and, and get laid out with an RKO. This was uh, one of the best things I'd seen on WWE TV all year. I thought it was a testament to Randy Orton's uh, veteran status that he was able to put this together and play it out over a 24-hour period. I just really liked this. And I think Randy Orton is definitely, uh, I mean, a a shiny diamond in the rough right now. I mean, this guy's on fire. I wonder where they take him. I wonder what, I mean, obviously a match with AJ is going to be in the cards, maybe a feud all the way to Mania, but this guy's this guy's on another level at the
0: moment i love this i you know we talked earlier about those fake press releases wwe uses as a way to play the press and i hate those things and this was a really smart really creative way to play me as a wrestling journalist and i didn't mind it because the payoff was worth it and it wasn't about anything that was that dramatic and they didn't linger it on for weeks and weeks and weeks it happened on sunday generated some buzz and by monday night we got the payoff and i think that was a really smart way to handle it orton He's a jewel. I mean, this dude, when he is engaged with a storyline, he makes it really, really good. He can go in that. When he's bored, when he's indifferent, right? We've seen this with previous feuds. I think Jinder Mahal might have been one of those. He doesn't bring his A game. But when he had Kofi last year, when he's up against AJ Styles, who I think they're a great pairing with great chemistry, it's good. Now, at the beginning of this promo, it's quite clear Ah, uh, you could kind of read the tea leaves here and see that yes, Randy Orton was was building this up a little bit too much for it to be legit. Did but you? Still, did you
1: think that? I couldn't. I mean, I maybe it's just because I'm a dummy and I wanna. I want it's still real to me. But I didn't up until the point where he dropped the RKO. I was still like, oh man, this guy, this guy might be injured.
0: Well, yeah, there was still that element of uncertainty, right? Don't get me wrong, but there was a report I think that came out sometime Sunday after the injury that said this might be a work, and so. I was already skeptical going into it. And the other thought I had was why would they have Randy Orton out here so soon afterwards talking about this? If they weren't, you know, if there's still more tests to do, right? He was just a little bit like when edge was done, edge came out and said it's over. And there was this big emotional buildup and they didn't have quite the same read to it, but yeah, I mean, he still did a good enough job that it was believable. The AJ Styles moment, the RKO was awesome. And my question here is, okay, we're doing Randy Orton, AJ Styles, but Orton also mentioned Edge at the beginning of his promo. And I think that's really interesting if you talk about the rumors that Edge might be returning at the Royal Rumble, and who are you going to have Edge go up with? A legend like Orton at WrestleMania could be a huge match.
1: Well, here's the thing. So Edge, I should point out, Edge has not confirmed this. He's played it down, which, you know, of course— Either way, he would be sane, right? Either it's genuine or he's trying to cover his track. So take that for what it's worth. But, man, I don't want to see these guys against him. I want rated RKO. I want these guys aligned with mm. each other, working together, doing something right now.
0: Oh, that'd be really sweet. Yeah. Well, and you talk about the club. That could that could be a really cool little a little way to go into WrestleMania, put those tag team titles up there.
1: Sure. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. Rated R- I mean, it would be, I think, a good way to reintroduce Edge back in. And then you know, yeah, have them blow up, go different directions, whatever you like. But I, I, I think I, I think a rated RKO reunion would be just so much fun.
0: So. Well, especially Orton right now is playing a good guy. Edge would obviously come back in a good guy role, and and having these two, it would bring some prominence back to the tag team titles. A guy returning from long time off, like Edge, would be could leverage his way back in through being a tag team partner. Yeah, I like it. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, let's flip over to uh, another bit of WWE creative that's a bit more shall we say, controversial. Last night, Lana and Lashley failed to get married. Uh, Lashley and Lana's exes uh, first appeared to contest the marriage, just normal humans that I guess had <laughs> marriages. Again, why do I have to keep saying normal humans? <laughs> Non-wrestling folk, it seems, come out. Maybe industry inbreeding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> industry and Jesus. Uh, they come out, they contest the marriage. Lana's getting a little... A little upset about it. Then comes out the returning Liv Morgan. She Her new look is based... She looks like Lana. She's got the blonde hair. I mean, <laughs> like, you know,
0: her new look... They built this up for weeks just to copy and paste what they've done so, dozens of other times.
1: So Liv comes back, and she reveals that she's contesting the marriage because she had a past relationship with Lana. And everybody starts chanting Jerry Springer. Now, after Lana and, and Liv get into a fight, and Lana finally gets back to her feet here... She's ready to finally do this. The, the priest is about to finally get them married, and there's this big cake in the ring. What, what's going on? And then, of course, cake. R- Rusev jumps out of the cake, and he attacks Lashley. Um, and uh, the show goes off with Lana covered in cake, and Rusev and Liv Morgan are celebrating. Uh, now, uh, before we get into discussing this, I should say Sonny DeVille and Mandy Rose have both gone to Twitter to react negatively to the part where Liv came out as a former lesbian lover, I guess, of Lana's. Of course, Sonia and Mandy have openly talked about how they wanted to try to do something like that with WWE creative because Sonia is actually a member of the LGBTQ community, which has been played up quite a bit. Um said so they went this direction. Now, here's the thing. I didn't hate this, Michael. And I've been very critical of the Rusev, Lana, Lashley stuff, but this was so over the top. It yeah. was so over the top. I didn't take. I mean, the live. I don't know where they go with the live Lana stuff. I it doesn't. It didn't feel long term to me. It felt like just kind of lumped in. But who knows? They've pushed this thing so hard. This was so over the top. I kind of loved it, even as stupid as It, as it kind of as it obviously was.
0: I had to check my calendar to make sure it was not the eve of 1999 or 2000 and not 2020 here, right? Because this felt like a throwback to the Attitude Era, like the wedding we used to get and the ridiculousness of them. And this played off of every single one of those stories. And I'm with you. I didn't hate it. I actually enjoyed parts of it because it was so ridiculous, while at the same time, Hating parts of it because it was so ridiculous. I don't know sure. how else to explain it than that. My wife was sitting next to me. She was like, oh, my God. She absolutely um, was not into this at all. Okay. But, you know.
1: Liz, yeah, so, Liz was. My girlfriend, she we, she was sitting there. We were unpacking stuff from our trip, and she stopped and turned around and was like, this is crazy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? Well, so. Okay, so she watched the segment, which is not something she watches every time, right? No. But she was like, oh, this is so ridiculous. Yeah. Where I think it lost me was – I don't mind the ridiculousness of it, right? Um, I I thought it was funny that they had these random lovers from the past come out, and Lana is overselling everything so much that it needs to be ridiculous because it it can't take itself seriously. But the inclusion of Liv Morgan here drove me a little bit crazy because they've been hyping her up for weeks about this brand-new look and her makeover, and then the promo she did earlier in the night felt just kind of – it had a certain style to it, but it didn't tell me anything about who the new Liv Morgan was. Hmm. And she had a certain look before to sort of replace that with something I expected more. And then to shoo in, it really felt like to shoe in a lesbian storyline for the sake of creating controversy with Lana was not really the way I want to see WWE reflect a storyline like that. And I can understand why Sonya Deville would be upset because it almost seems like, Look, they're lesbians, and that will create controversy rather than it just being a more natural, organic thing. So all of this, you know, that part drove me a little bit crazy where I think it worked was anytime you see somebody who's been this played up, like Lana and Lashley have been, get their comeuppance, it always feels – Good. And WWE has doubled and tripled down in the storyline. So to see them get called out on numerous occasions and to give Rusev the big minute at the end where he got to go off on, on, on Lashley and get the attack and stand tall, that made for a more interesting hook moving into next week's Raw.
1: I wonder. I don't know. Maybe they do push it. Maybe Lana leaves Lashley for Liv. She falls back in love with Liv and that's the new direction Then Lashley is the latest to be uh, rejected here by Lana. Maybe Maybe that's Lana's thing now. Maybe it's, like, I'm with you for, like, two, three months. I I really want to get married. Then we don't get married. I move to somebody else.
0: But but didn't it seem more, though, like, they were just pairing Liv with Rusev as a way to give Rusev somebody he can have as a tag team partner if they do a mixed tag match here?
1: If they had made eye contact or interacted (laughs) at all, they just seemed to be sharing space. Like, (laughs) it was so bizarre. I also was, like, well, are they aligned? I don't know. Rusev is just, like, smashing cake into his face right now and not really, like— lifting live up onto his shoulders or anything like that so i I'm, I'm not of the mind quite yet that those two are inherently uh conjoined at the hip so to speak yeah. so uh but speaking of conjoined at the hip brock lesnar paul Heyman, they are going to make their raw return next week of course we've got the rumble on the horizon here uh and then wrestlemania uh, only a couple months away as well um uh what do you uh what do you expect here from brock in his return
0: I mean, we're, we're kind of speculating on opponents now. It's not going to be Tyson Fury. It's not going to be, uh, may not be Cain Velasquez. There's lots of speculation going around. So I would expect they're going to start setting up potential opponents for him, um, maybe for a Royal Rumble, but then also teasing some stuff moving forward. You know, last night, uh, Samoa Joe and Seth Rollins, I thought, had amazing chemistry. Okay. And I think these two guys feuding over the universal title or the WWE title on Raw now, I guess would be incredible because I never expected this, but a good guy, Samoa Joe versus a bad guy, Seth Rollins with a slick back hair and all that just really worked for me in that opening segment. So what I'm hoping we see is maybe a pivot away from Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens after the rumble and a pivot towards that. And maybe we can get, you know, maybe Samoa Joe fights Brock Lesnar at the rumble, who knows? So it's it just a lot of moving parts here and probably some clarity for the WrestleMania season um, starting next week in Raw.
1: Well, also this past week, Andrade captured the WWE United States Championship from Rey Mysterio at WWE's Madison Square Garden show. Uh, Ray had been beaten down by Seth and AOP on Raw uh, earlier in the week. So last Monday's Raw, uh, Ray is going to get his rematch against Andrade on next week's Raw. Start hyping. They've got a lot of hype going into the first Raw of next uh, of next year. But uh, this was, you know, it was such an it was such an apropos. Kind of way to wrap the year up because 2019 started off with the big news that ROH and New Japan were going to run MSG, and then everybody was talking about. Oh, Triple A is running MSG. MSG. They're losing. The, they're losing the, their their foothold with on Madison Square Garden. The WWE. Well, WWE is closing 2019, the chapter with a big title change with uh, with Rey Mysterio dropping the belt to the the next big thing. Uh, you know, in the company or one of the next big things in the company. And Andrade just to. I, you know, you can't, you couldn't write a better 2019 story for Madison Square Garden.
0: Yeah, WWE kind of reaffirming their stance that this is our place, our arena, we're going to do big things when we come here even if it's not TV. And it's a cool moment for Andrade, right? Getting to capture this at an historic arena. They really played it up less than on TV, giving him a great rematch next week. So that United States Championship, it's interesting because we don't have a main title on Raw for the time being. And that United States Championship's kind of been passed around, but being on Rey Mysterio, Immediately upped the credibility of that thing, and so now Andrade feels like a bigger deal uh, by proxy here. So I, I love the rematch here. These two have great chemistry, yeah. and um, I want to see I want to see them do more things like this that feel different. I love house shows because it is just a great wrestling show, and if you know that there might be a title change, I think fans are going to be more likely to show up.
1: Um, and uh, the WWE Royal Rumble is uh, only a few weeks away. We've got some uh, matches and announcements here for the Rumble. Uh, Daniel Bryan is going to take on the fiend Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship. Uh, Bryan won that title shot by defeating King Corbin and The Miz in a triple threat on SmackDown this past Friday night. Uh, Becky Lynch uh, has demanded that she defend her WWE Raw Women's Championship against Asuka. Uh, the storyline being that her contract is coming up and she told them, hey, if you want me to re-sign a contract, the match I wanted the Royal Rumble is against Asuka. She wants to reclaim her spot as the face of WWE. And uh, Charlotte Flair has officially entered the Women's Royal Rumble. Um, What do you think? What grabs you here? (sighs)
0: You know, the Bray Wyatt, I'm glad to see Bray Wyatt building up his match against Daniel Bryan here, Bryan here as a big deal, and I think that helps make it feel bigger. Um, but this Becky Lynch, Oscar, Charlotte entering the Rumble, not surprising. They got to get her out there, and I'm glad they're making her feel important by doing so. But this Becky Lynch, Asuka thing has me hooked. Becky Lynch's promo was great. I've been a big fan of Asuka for years, and I think they've underutilized her on the main roster for quite some time. And I'm glad they're digging into some history here to build this up even more so, I would love to see this be a three month long program going into mania because I think both women deserve it. And uh, man, listen, these two, when they actually have this match, um, at the Royal rumble, there could be serious sparks here. And that excites me.
1: Yeah. Ditto. I, I agree. Oscar kind of, you know, I, I was starting to dig the Kabuki warriors, but I always felt like there was, it was a weird, it was a weird move to put her in a tag team. Cause she's yeah. so strong as a singles competitor. Um, it is always interesting when these injuries come up, you know, with Kari Sane going down, um, how opportunities do uh, arise. So I, I agree. I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup here. I like Charlotte as the first woman in the Royal Rumble match uh, being announced. Uh, you know, she and I, I would think they're going to do what they do uh, with the men or what's been rumored 10 NXT, 10 women, uh,
0: 10 Raw, 10 SmackDown. So. I think it's interesting, too. Women's divisions are not quite as deep here, so it makes it feel more competitive. Everybody wants that spot. You're going to have to fight for it. Maybe we get some great matches on TV to lead to it. Yeah. Uh,
1: at WrestleVotes reporting that the Usos are expected back on WWE TV soon. The WWE creative team uh, was recently instructed to start coming up with ideas for the turn of the brothers. Uh, Jimmy and Jay are currently members of the Raw roster, and the report knows that they are slated to remain on WWE. Uh, the red brand is part of the tag team division. What do you do with the Usos here when you bring them back?
0: I don't know. I mean, we've seen them high-flying good guys before. And I think their most recent incarnation as kind of this rapper duo with a little more thug to them, I think, worked. I don't, I don't think you can bring them back as good guys. I think WWE might try to do that. But I like the Usos as heels more. And I think they can add more to the division if they're fighting guys like the Viking Raiders in that bad bad guy role.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just want to see them do what they're good at, and that's go out there and yeah. be, a, be a tag team. I don't think you need to overcomplicate it. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, we need more good heel tag teams at the moment. So, sure. Roman Reigns, uh, speaking of the Usos, uh, Roman Reigns, he's going to battle Dolph Ziggler on Steve Harvey's New Year's Eve special tonight. Uh, the match was taped after SmackDown this past Friday. I didn't read the spoiler, so I don't know what happened. But I'm a little bummed, because in my head, I imagined they were going to set a ring up in, like, Times Square or something. Roman Reigns is going to fight on
0: new year's eve that's not what i'm unfortunately gonna get wouldn't that have been awesome with steve harvey at ringside out there giving reactions man that'd have been a fun little 10 minute promo for wwe but i guess cost cost comes first did
1: you watch him host the miss universe pageant this year
0: i did not what a train
1: wreck i'd never watched (laughs) one of those but we were so bored and there was nothing on tv i was like oh let's check this out he was hosting oh my god anyway i won't go on too much of a tangent but what a what a
0: mess Delight. he's just such a good like he, he owns himself you know what i mean like he is very <laughs> authentic and even when he made that mistake a few years ago or he a- announced the wrong winner he came back the next day and he completely owned it and i respect that um well the
1: wwe 24 sam- champ 24 7 championship was briefly listed as inactive this past week on wwe.com but has since been rectified uh on the note of the 24 7 championship WWE announcer Mike Rome briefly won the title at a WWE live event in Pittsburgh over the weekend. He defeated, he defeated Sunil Singh, who won the title back before losing it to R-Truth, who began his 29th WWE 24-7 title reign. He has now uh, overtaken Raven, uh, who had 27 WWE hardcore title reigns, which is technically a different title, but essentially the lineage, I would guess, is the same. So R-Truth now, I guess, officially the king of chaos and schmozing.
0: Did it feel like us there wasn't there a certain burden lifted off your shoulders whenever you were like enacted? Oh, finally! <laughs> Did it feel so- nice for a second to be like, okay, we don't have to talk about that anymore, right?
1: I kind of, I mean, like, I don't know, man. This thing has run its course. I, they tried to work it into Raw last night during the women's match, and Eric Young ate that big boot from uh, from Charlotte Flair, which, which was, you know, a, a interesting, unexpected spot. It, it you know, picked down, you know, changed yeah. the pacing a little bit, I guess,
0: but. I don't know. This thing it's gets- just a routine, too. I mean, our mm-hmm. R- I mean, R- truth is he can do, but it's like every time he loses it and then gets it right back and wash, rinse, repeat.
1: Uh, WWE NXT UK superstar Flash Morgan Webster announced the following over the weekend. Uh, tonight, we officially announced that we'll be purchasing Pro Wrestling Chaos in February 2020. This is our way of saying thank you to Dave, Nick, Rob, and Chaos fans for believing in us. We want to continue to give these loyal fans a promotion to call home while ensuring young British wrestlers still have a platform That has been crucial in our development so they can learn, grow, and flourish. Morgan will be purchasing the promotion with fellow WWE NXT UK star, Wild Boar Mike Hitchman. So this is, uh, I I like this move a lot. Uh, You know, we touched on earlier how Shawn Michaels seems to have taken over the NXT UK brand. Um, I know that Hunter made that comment on Corey Graves' podcast, you know, last week about how, Unfortunately, some of the smaller indies that are as well produced are going to go out of business because we're moving in, but I could comfortably see uh, Mo- Flash Morgan Webster, who's great, uh, taking chaos and making it a bit of a, a developmental territory for the uh, NXT UK scene over there. And uh, everybody gets to work with Shawn Michaels. So big win.
0: Yeah, it's cool when guys who know the business and know how to run the business the right way because they're learning from a, a company like WWE can reapply that learning to the indies, you know. And this reminds me a lot of like what Evolve is kind of doing right now stateside. And I, I think that's the UK industry, a lot of stuff going on over there, but they could use more stuff like this as well.
1: And last but not least, here before we get to Matt Seidel, CM Punk has confirmed on Twitter that he's going to return to WWE backstage in three weeks. Uh, tonight's episode is going to feature uh, the top five WWE matches of 2019. And uh, as we reflect on 2019, I, I think uh, one of the biggest stories in all of pro wrestling would have to be CM Punk's uh, quasi-return to the WWE Universe, WWE Universe adjacent, I guess, here. Uh, now that we've seen it happen, play out, what are your reflections here on CM Punk coming back in this fashion? Um, is the buzz gone? Uh, how are you feeling? <sighs>
0: Yeah, I think the buzz is kind of gone. And I think we've got I mean, we've got both big returns this year. We got to see CM Punk show up at Starcast and do that great interview. And then we got to see him on in WWE in, in a Fox commentator role capacity here. So not true WWE. And I think there was a shine to it when he first showed up. Oh, CM Punk's gonna talk about wrestling. And I think for me, it's now what's next for CM Punk. Now, this is one of the biggest stories of the year, so I don't want to discount that, but it's all about what's next. But I want to ask you a question, Nick, before I know you're going to throw to an interview. No, that's fine. Um, we talk about 2019. Think back 10 years. I saw this question pop up on Twitter, and I've been thinking about it a lot. Think back in the last 10 years, because um, we're closing out a whole decade today. Um, what's one of the big things that you would not have thought 10 years ago in 2009, um, going into 2010, that would have shocked you had you known it back then?
1: What's something that would have shocked me in the past 10 years that yeah. that I'd, I I think the Saudi stuff would, would definitely, like, <clears throat> some of the stories we've had to report on about the Saudi shows are definitely that. The whole Hogan saga played out in the past 10 years, didn't it? Yeah. Like, Because Ho- Ho- he
0: was, that was, he had just signed with, he wasn't even, hadn't debuted in Impact yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the whole Hogan saga that played out. Um, yeah, I think those would be I mean, the big controversial stuff like that. I mean, the, the, the move of all the impact talent to WWE is definitely its own kind of story. Um, the fact that competition, you know, was created here just even at the tail end of 2019. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting to reflect upon. What what are you what's what's the most unexpected thing for
0: you? I think all of that. Uh, totally agree, one hundred percent. But the big thing I think about is we're just right now in two thousand and nine, a couple of months away from ECW on Sci-Fi being replaced by that weird NXT game show reality show hybrid format. And when that thing debuted, it was so ridiculous. So if you had told me back then that um, I'm cheating a little bit here, right? But if you told me in February of twenty ten that a decade later NXT would be not only one of the best wrestling shows on TV, but one of the most compulsively watchable. I mean, every week this show does great things. If you try to convince me of that back then when this show first debuted as that weird thing on on Sci-Fi, I never would have believed you. My guest at this time is a former WWE Tag Team Champion,
1: Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion, IWGP Jr. Heavyweight Tag Team Champion, and Impact Wrestling X-Division Champion. He is going to go to Doha, Qatar on February 21st, For Qatar Pro Wrestling, it is Matt Seidel. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today.
2: Wow, thank you. Glad to to be here.
1: Yeah, well, you know, this is a really interesting uh, event that's going down here. A lot of interest right now in uh, the Middle East and the pro wrestling scene and what's going on over there. How did you get hooked up with uh, Qatar Pro Wrestling?
2: Yeah, well, my my first venture to Qatar was... um, with the WWE and I was able to go over there on a really incredible journey on a, like incredible tour. We stayed in a really luxurious hotel and uh, I really had uh, I just remember one of my, uh, I ventured out by myself, wandered down to like a shopping center and it was just uh beautiful architecture everywhere. And it was a really, uh for, for me, that was my first time ever in the mid, in the mid- middle East. And it was, uh, And uh, not to mention uh, the show, which was awesome. And I think I wrestled William Regal. And it's one of these matches that just stood out as one where we just kept going and going and going. And uh, because it was a live event, we probably went 15 minutes. And it was just one of my uh, favorite matches that I had while I was on the WWE roster.
1: Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about just about working with Regal. I mean, that had to be one of the final bouts he had, because in the, in the, I think it was just a little after that, he retired and now he's working as the GM for NXT.
2: Yeah. I mean, this was when he was full-time active and I, I guess, you know, I, I loved working with him mean I didn't realize that, oh, maybe this will be the last time we get to work together. I don't think it was because we were kind of married to each other on the road for a while, which was just an excellent draw for me, which is, I mean, how I learned all, everything I did about pro wrestling was when I got married to Chavo on the road or, you know, with, later on with regal um you know we just had to go out there and wrestle hard in front of i mean we wanted to introduce we knew there were a lot of new fans in the audience in qatar and people love wrestling everywhere but everywhere we go we're trying to make new fans every night and so we wanted to show them what pure pro wrestling is and so we just go out there and uh wrestle our hearts out till we work up a sweat until some till somebody's really tired <laughs> yeah uh yeah it,
1: that's wild
2: you know just just it, you know we're, we weren't trying to rely on storylines or assume that the fans know anything it's just like you you show up uh and the the type of wrestling that i like to do it transcends languages it transcends boundaries it doesn't matter if you, if it's japan or Qatar or mexico or canada or the us it's like we all speak the same language and that's sort of the unifying thing and that's kind of what i some of those things that i learned from regal was sort of the universal qualities of pro wrestling
1: man i mean if you're going to break in a new territory there's there's very few people i'd rather be working with than william regal i'm a big regal fan that's really cool to hear um Mm -hmm. and and so how are the fans in qatar are they uh are they pretty knowledgeable like what was it like interacting with the people there
2: uh they were extremely enthusiastic you know i i think the 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 thing that i notice most when i travel from culture to culture from country to country uh, is not the differences between the people. It's like always the similarities and wrestling fans are all the same. <laughs> Th- there's not this casual, like, Oh yeah, I kind of watch wrestling. You people have either know nothing about it or they know everything. And in fact, I'm always impressed when fans knowledge just, like surpasses me. And I'm like, I was there. How do you know more about <laughs> these situations than I do? And you find these fans everywhere. And especially in Qatar, uh, which is why it's worth uh, worth it for the wrestlers to get on the plane and make that long trip out there, because we feel everybody deserves to uh, get to enjoy pro wrestling.
1: Yeah, well, uh, there's a uh, couple of the big names on this show already announced. Uh, of course, uh, you're going to have Alberto El Patron, a former Alberto Del Rio, on the show as well. Uh, he recently lost a MMA bout to Tito Ortiz. <laughs> Did you get a chance to check that out?
2: No, unfortunately, I was uh, wrestling that night, um, but I was al- I'm always supportive of my, my brothers who are, who have the guts to step in the cage. Uh, I mean, that that's, uh, I'll tell you pro wrestling's dangerous and it's tough, but it really takes a special kind of courage, a special kind of guts to lock yourself in a cage with somebody that's wanting to do you harm. And so like my hat's off to Alberto and yeah, I'm a big, uh, Jake Hager fan. So, you know, these, these, these guys who step into the cage really ha- have unbelievable courage, but I, for me, I've had some great one-on-one matches with Alberto. I've had some great tag matches with Alberto. Uh, I kind of wish I was wrestling him in Qatar, but uh, we will—I'm sure—we'll get a chance to wrestle again soon.
1: Okay, cool. And, and yeah, Bishop. But not. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm just.
1: But just to specify, uh, only in pro wrestling. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know. He's a big
2: dude. I, a different weight class is for sure.
1: Yeah, uh, he's a big dude. I, I also would not want to be locked in a cage with Alberto a Patron. <laughs> um, well, and then Bischoff's on the show, too. Bischoff, interesting character right now, um, you know, was with WWE there for a couple months. Now he's back out. He's heading to Qatar with you guys to do this pro wrestling show. Were you surprised that he found himself back in the WWE mold? What are, what are your memories and thoughts on Bischoff? Uh well you know I don't really I don't really pay attention to any of that
2: stuff like who's on WWE or whatever it's just not for you know it's just not for me but I I do I do find it pretty cool that me and Bischoff would be on a show like this one in Guitar because we both look at wrestling from a unique perspective we both kind of have a, a an outsider perspective while being an insider and so I think Eric Bischoff brings a great perspective to wrestling I mean he's one of these guys who pushed the business forward that. I mean, w- without him doing what he did in WCW, uh, light heavyweight guys, cruiserweights would never have been able to, uh, be- because we got the TV time, they were never able to take us off TV because Bischoff believed in it. And uh, so, you know, I think he's got a great vision for, for what the people and what the fans want, and he knows how to deliver that. So, I mean, I, I think he, as long as he does his research and he's, pre- and he's ready to rock and roll, um, uh, uh, He's the perfect kind of guy to be uh, in charge.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, hearing you talk about going to all the different cultures you visit and stuff and bringing pro wrestling. Do you see pro wrestling as like a vehicle to help bre- uh, spread, I guess, maybe Western influence? Or uh, I even saw, like, I always like, kind of talked about how pro wrestling I saw as like a way to send like peace missions on behalf of the United States all over the world. I don't know if you've ever viewed it quite like that.
2: That's exactly how I view it. I mean, everywhere I go, I mean, I've been doing it for almost twenty years. I sign an autograph, peace and love everywhere I go. I'm like, I don't want to say I'm anti anti-milita- I'm anti-military, but my mission is the exact opposite. I'm a unifying force. I'm there to show everybody that we're all the exact same, and that when we work together, we can make the world a better place. And when you notice when all these wrestling companies all around the world started working together instead of isolating themselves, that we've all benefited from this new golden age of wrestling. And that, that that came from people working together and unifying, not dividing and saying, oh, our, our this is better than your that, and my X is better than your Y. It's, uh, it was just a matter of saying, hey, if we put your X and my Y together, we can make something really special.
1: I think that's how Reese's Peanut Butter Cups came about. I think the X was chocolate and the other was peanut butter, something like that. Um, you know, <laughs> True love story. It is. It is. Now, Qatar here is right next to Saudi Arabia. And, of course, WWE has started doing shows over there. Uh, How do you feel about that relationship between Saudi Arabia and WWE and them bringing shows over there? Do you have any opinions on it?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't know what goes on with WWE. That's just not my wheelhouse.
1: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Well, you did bring up this very vibrant time for pro wrestling, you know. You've been around here, been around the block a little bit, Matt. Like, what's it like for you being inside this moment? What do you make of the current kind of scene with you've got AEW, NXT, and then all these other promotions like Impact, MLW, Ring of Honor, et cetera, GCW, kind of, you know, sitting in the wings?
2: I mean, I, I just think it's a great time to be a fan because they're, the access to wrestling is so much easier. I mean, I, I loved wrestling when you had to, like, get a VHS tape from some stranger like trading on, you know, copying VHS tapes if you wanted to get uh, footage. So I came from a time of scarcity, and now there's a time of surplus. Uh, So I don't believe that it's about comparing one company to another or saying this instead of that. It's just saying there's a surplus of content, and people can find what connects to them and enjoy it. That You know what I mean? That's all I'm looking for. Uh, And I think that's how fans, if fans approach wrestling like with that approach – they're going to really have a good time because it's not about saying, Oh, the promotion I watch is better than the promotion you watch. It's just saying, Hey, this, this speaks to me and that promotion that speaks to you. And it also speaks to me the same way art or music are also variable. Same way comedy is too. It's like, uh, uh, for me specifically, I'm not trying to be the flavor for everybody, but I'm just proud when people that, you know, I respect or people that, you know, I want to be my fans are my fans.
1: Yeah. For sure, and you know what, what? What promotions are drawing you in right now, Matt? Like, what what has your attention at the moment in pro wrestling? Uh, I mean i I mean I always pay attention
2: to everything the to, the best I can. But I mean, mainly it's because of the boys in the back, not the promotions. So I you can catch me following good wrestlers wherever they are. But I mean, I watch Dragon Gate. You know, that's something I don't hear a lot. Many people talk about watching. Um, based on how much influence it truly has had on the whole world of wrestling and how many people imitate it poorly because they're watching like fourth or fifth generation carbon copies of kind of the original thing. But I watch Dragon Gate, I watch New Japan, I watch NXT, I watch um, AEW. I mean, I-, I love the Lucha Brothers, I love the Young Bucks. I mean, the- how-, how can you? Miss any of that. I mean, there's so, there's so much good wrestling. I, I mainly I just watch the guys on the shows that I'm on, and that's what that's my, my favorite stuff. And I just did some um, evolved wrestling. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I worked with AR Fox and Leon Ruff. I got to see the besties in the world uh, just absolutely crush it and win the tag titles. I mean, I, I got to see a ton of good wrestling. I always get to see Eddie Kingston. I mean, there's so there's, like I said, we're, we live in an age of surplus. And, uh, you know, it's that's, that's very fortunate.
1: Half dozen questions for you coming out of that. First of all, Eddie Kingston, you know, what, why don't you think that he's landed on, in, I mean, I know he's being used out in NWA. I feel like that's the biggest platform he's had, but I'm shocked that guy hasn't popped up on a bigger a bigger stage up till now.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's just for us. Like, we don't care what the state, like the, our stage is always what, what it is. It's not about reaching out to the broadest audience. It's just about doing quality work where you're at. Um, You know, I think Eddie Kingston believes in that, that every night's special and like in and of itself, it's important just to go out there and just kill it every night. That's sort of our our mentality. You know, he and I started wrestling, you know, we started crossing paths at IWA mid South where we would have these, I mean, we were watching guys do death matches in front of 20 people. Mm -hmm. We were going out there doing crazy, you know, uh, it, it was all about how hard can you go and what are, you know, what are you willing to put out there? Regardless of the crowd, you're doing it for the intrinsic like purpose of respecting the business of pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, I, you know, I don't, I, to me, he's always had a stage. So it's me like, you know, I don't know what to tell you from the outsider's point of view, but it's like, if you watch Eddie Kingston, you're going to like want to watch him wrestle again.
1: Yeah, he is. I love when he comes out, the energy, hard hitter. he's Great. Um, And you also brought up how you competed in evolve recently and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you were Evan Bourne when you went to Evolve. How did that come about?
2: Well, I will correct you because you are wrong. No, I just wrestled as Matt Seidel. Okay. Um, All right. You know, it was sort of like, you know, because it was associated with um, NXT and WWE, they used that as kind of like a promotional tool. Okay. But, I mean, you know, I'm not going to make new tights for that. I'm, I wrestled as Matt Seidel. That's basically it. Uh, you know, I mean, unless you like want to just go by a bunch of nicknames or a million other things that I call myself in character, but since we're just kind of having a a uh, press chat instead of a promo talk. I'm not gonna cut into all my gimmick stuff. But yeah, I mean I just wrestle with Matt Sydal. That's what my tights say. That's what the my my ring jacket says. You know, that's just who I am. That's who I've always been. That's who I who I was uh when I was wrestling in my backyard, who so is kind of who I was that first time I debuted on ECW as Matt Seidel. Uh you know, and then uh, you know then I went to Evan Bourne, which is great. But you know, it's sort of a the ship that sailed or, you know, I mean, if I was to be back in WWE, I imagine I'd run back to that name um, because that, you know, I have copyright ownership stuff, but yeah, I don't like to get into that stuff.
1: Okay. Now, but wait, so you, so you're saying that basically this was evolving NXT since they were running the show, they just called you up on board because they could not necessarily because it oh, was, no, a, they it, just, okay.
2: And they just put it on the, you know, on the first flyer just as a promotional tool that we didn't call me, you know, I was announced as Matt Seidel okay. at, at the thing. It was just like, Hey, this, this section of fans might also be familiar. It's not like it was sending it to Ring of Honor fans who knew me in 2006 saying, oh, Matt Seidel's back. It sure. was like saying, hey, WWE fans who also watch Evolve, that guy that was the high flyer that you may or may not remember yeah. is uh, coming to Evolve.
1: Okay. And and I remember I was a little nervous uh that night, come the stories come out about you rolling out of the ring and just kinda of walking out. Uh I heard you suffered some kind of injury that night. I don't know if you wanted to fill me in on exactly what happened there.
2: Oh yeah, it was miserable. I mean I just got two two heels to the head, one or one to the head and one to the shoulder, and uh that was it, my whole body went numb and I, I was done for the night
1: for the day. Oh man. That was it.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, I just have been working on the recovery. You know, unfortunately, because of the way the world works and I, you know, being an uncontracted talent, I just have to, uh, you know, I got a lot of, I got, I got bookings, but uh, I've been going, uh, I've been resting. I've got this week off and uh, my next show is on the 28th. And then I've got January 3rd in Ford Defy in Seattle, which I'm really excited about. But so, yeah, I just needed just a little break, uh, a little bit of rest before I could come back and, uh, get back in the ring and feel healthy. But yeah, I had a one on one, a crazy one on one match with Kurt Stallion. So, I mean, I'm definitely back in at health and ready to be, you know, a wild man in the ring, just like I'm used to. Uh, so I felt, felt really good in that match with Kurt Stallion. I mean, he was, uh, r- working with him was like one of the, I only had one more. So I, I agreed to do four shows with Evolve and, before that, you know, four show happened, I said, I need to wrestle good stallion one-on-one. And so I was able to get that match in, which was really fun. We did that, at, um, in Chicago, which is one of my favorite cities to perform in. And yeah, so like, uh, I'm feeling really good in singles competition. I, I still like doing tag and six man wrestling, but you
1: know. Yeah. Well, that's uh, well, I got you here for just a couple minutes. That's uh, actually something I wanted to ask you about was a tag team that a lot of people know you from, uh that was Air Boom when you were Evan Bourne with Kofi Kingston. You know, this is a big last year for Kofi. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about what it was like working for him and what it was like for you watching him go on that kind of title run.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, just uh,
1: I've always thought like I I just I've known these guys are good
2: my whole life. Same thing I knew about Ricochet. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I've known AJ Styles, Samoa Joe that I've I've known that they were like the best in the industry for forever. So when they get recognized at it it's like what am i supposed to do now like i mean like you know what i mean like <laughs>
0: yeah it, it,
2: it's 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 old news to me that they're the best and like can, but these are guys who when they're at the top they keep pushing the envelope further and higher and like they just so so like uh you know i i remember kofi from fcw like he he was still like when i got to F, down to fcw he was like uh, a guy that like a a man of legend already and like you know, we got to interact. We first there, and then you know later on on the road. Uh, you know, we were both buddies with Punk, uh, so we spent a little bit of time together there, and that's sort of probably where the tag team came from. But yeah, we enjoyed every moment of it working with. Uh, I mean, we we had one of my favorite matches ever with me and Kofi against Epico and Primo at Madison Square Garden, tag team title match at a live event. I mean, just we we had special moments all over the world, and even just like doing fan um, signings on European tours together. It's just he, he's a ton of fun to be around, M- much like traveling around at New Japan being IWGP Tag Champs with Ricochet. I mean, the, the it's great when you have um, an athlete to compliment you like uh, both those guys do. So, you know, I mean, for me, of course they're going to be successful. Like, to me, Kobe, he was already a singles champ you know, world champ level. And, and for him just to jump back on and become champ again, that, that wouldn't surprise me. You know, I, I'm, you know, he, he has a lot of uh, a lot of time left and uh, a, a long career ahead of him. still, just like I do, you know what I mean? Like we, we, we were pretty successful when we were young and our determination and focus hasn't like shifted to other things. I'm not trying to be really good at knitting or anything else. I mean, I, you know, I grow some, I grow, cacti and I made, maintain a family but other than that my life's obsessed with wrestling and getting better at it and teaching it and sharing it with the world
1: growing cacti that's your that's your vice well i mean no that's not my vice it's like my zen
2: like you know a way i i can relax and something to pay attention to and grow and hmm. you know i like participating in the organic processes of life sitting, watching the, the waves come in and the, the, the birds fly overhead, just the simple things. Uh, because wrestling's very intense. Uh, we, we work really hard for long bursts at a time, and there's, like, high sensory environments, lots of lights, lots of sounds, lots of yelling, lots of talking. Uh, so when I come home, I like to almost unplug. I, I don't really spend time on social media sharing my personal life. I, I just... i I go with a reductionist approach and then i get it gets so quiet around my house that uh you know it's a a good way for me to find peace and balance and literally just sitting in silence like i think a lot of people are afraid to to do that and even if you don't think you are like try it five minutes is scary of just sitting and breathing i try and do it more often but uh you know that's just kind of how i balance being on the road like a crazy person for four or five days and then get home and, and I have to like
1: put in extra effort
2: to relax. (laughs) That Uh, makes sense.
1: uh, Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, All right. Lastly here, uh, as we roll out of 2019 into 2020 uh, tease everybody, what can people expect from you next year? What are some, what are some goals maybe you have for 2020?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I've got set a lot of goals for 2020, um, the, uh, the unfortunate thing is I just felt, I feel like I, I left a lot of my fans hanging this year in terms of content. I wasn't able to get out to all the cities that I would have liked to because of my knee surgery that I had in January. And I just, I just wasn't able to, um, be as seen or as heard. And the plan for 2020 will be for that to increase substantially for those who want to hear my voice. I'll be out there for those who want to see me wrestle. They will be able to. Uh, easier and freer than ever before. Uh, I'm just going to just give it out, give it to everybody and uh, all, all the good vibes that people have been putting my way. They're going to be getting back tenfold and uh, yeah, I'll just do that. All I'm going to keep doing is the same thing I've always been doing. It's uh It's just a a simple mission of just going around and uh, trying to help everybody open their third eyes. That's going to be the mission of 2020. We're going to have crystal clear vision. Everyone will see what I'm saying.
1: Uh, And with that, February 21st, it goes down. Qatar Pro Wrestling. Matt, anything else you want to plug, promote, put over here before we uh, wrap up the interview today?
2: Yeah, uh, check me out on Matt Sidell on Instagram. M-A-T-T-S-Y-D-A-L. I'm also on... uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, happy to help any aspiring young wrestlers. If you want to get into wrestling, you can hit me up. And finally, if you are a wrestler looking for high quality premium custom made knee pads, you can check out lions shield knee pads. Uh, Lion shield is on uh, Facebook and Instagram and we make pretty sweet knee pads. And I basically, I make it myself. And uh, so, they're going to be safe because uh, I'm a safety first pro wrestler. And yeah, you know, we just uh, specialize in making custom pro knee pro wrestling knee pads. So
1: I can also uh, help out, you know, young wrestlers in that, in that aspect as well. <laughs> thank you very much, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show to talk all the news of the past 24 hours, five days, 12 months. It's been a year. It's been a decade, Michael. So thank you very mm. much chatting with me. And thank you, of course, to Matt Seidel for being my final guest of 2019. Uh, we are going to be back tomorrow with a New Year's Day edition of The Winkly. I'll be joined by Justin Labar, and I'm going to feature... Uh, I have... Uh, so I took, the, I took the week off, right? I'm, I'm, so I'm getting rid of the last few interviews I had from 2019. Tomorrow is going to be one that I really enjoyed. It's with a prolific belt maker, Dave Milliken, who has designed several belts for WWE, and we will talk all about that tomorrow on the show, uh, as well as talking the news of the day with Justin Labar. Also, of course, as we mentioned earlier on the show, we are going to be covering Russell Kingdom 14 this weekend. You're going to be doing the post show. Is it both days or just the second day?
0: We're just doing the second day. I think is what we agreed to, which we're going to cover both days. A ton of great action, but because there is some overlap. Um, you know, we're not going to see everything plays out until Sunday morning, so get breakfast ready if you're on the East Coast. I think we're going live at 7 or 8 a.m. when the show ends. Um, for you West Coasters, we will be on YouTube, so watch us whenever you get up and you've caught up on the promotion. But super excited about that. Again, I love Wrestle Kingdom every year. and think it's think it's a great show. And, Nick, I just want to say thank you, man. This is, um, we're cresting at the end of 2019 here, but this means we've been doing uh, these Tuesday Winklies together now right out a year we got a years with the shows behind us dude and i uh, want you to know i've enjoyed the hell out of it
1: me too michael we're having fun and dude i'm not i'm not kidding we have a lot to get to here in 2020 things are about to get pushed into overdrive so stay tuned everybody if you like the show go over to wrestling inc audio on itunes give us a nice five-star rating uh nice comments that helps keep us alive uh on the itunes uh charts and uh and and yeah michael what do you want to plug through over here to wrap up the final winkly of 2019
0: you mentioned Wrestle Kingdom 14 on Sunday. Before that, we will be doing, of course, Friday Night Smackdown, covering the Twitter for Wrestling Inc. and our post-game show with Matt Morgan and Glenn Rubenstein immediately after Smackdown Friday Night. And as always, um, follow me on Twitter. I am at the Real Wiseman, and I love the the tweets, the comments, the conversations. Um, keeps me engaged with not only the product, but with the guys who listen to us. I, I love hearing from you.
1: And uh, have a great New Year's Eve, everybody. Be safe. If you drink too much, don't grab the keys. Call a Lyft. Call an Uber. Make up your best friend. I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. And for the last time in 2019, remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.